Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. Everybody, welcome into the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm John. Feeling nostalgic here this week, Nick. Wondering what you remember about the NHL Guardians Project. Guardians Project. Refresh my memory. Uh, this was around... This was the year that the All-Star Game was held in Carolina. And uh, Marvel was just, like, becoming popular again. So the NHL put together this thing of, like, superheroes related to all 30 teams and, like, special powers they had. And they had, like, a light show during the intermission of of the, uh, of the All-Star game where, like, the Hurricanes hero, like, fights off some, like cartoony villain thing it was very cringeworthy very bizarre uh i only thought about it today as the nhl announced their nft collection oh no no don't do that don't buy an nhl nft why yeah and, that's what came to and, mind and it's so nhl nfts were what three four years ago isn't that market crashing now yeah, <laughs> yeah. So naturally, this is the time to get of into it. Of course, they would at this point. I, I went and checked out out the site. Yeah, NHL Breakaway. I, I'm I'm sending this oh, to you no. now. It has to be seen to no, be no, believed. No. You you can spend nineteen dollars on a starter pack. Uh, there's only five thousand packs total, and uh, I I know you would rush out to buy a whole lot of these. So just know there's a limit four packs per person. Uh, somehow, I don't think that's going to get maxed no. out by anyone. But yeah, this is a thing. Oh, no, don't buy that. I didn't. How did I? I know why I missed this because it's too <laughs> stupid to come across my timeline. Um, <laughs> no. And here's the thing available 3,226 yes. of 5,000 as of this recording. So people are buying these. But please, our listeners, don't buy the one. Don't do it. Uh, again, like, this market is crashing. I don't know, man. I got a 4% <laughs> chance of getting the epic Making the Mark Highlight Pack. I got to gotta get in I while I can. I think you're okay if you miss out on this one. Trust me. Uh, pretty sure it's not worth uh, losing the wife and kids over the holidays over. <laughs> you, you, know the, you know the Simpsons bit where Homer has, like, old yeah. calendars? Yeah. He's like, sure, it's not eighteen. Not it's not nineteen eighty nine now, but who knows what tomorrow <laughs> will hold? Like those seem, I imagine, would hold more value than the NHL. NFTs. Which total side side note for a second, um, Coden. I was listening to his podcast, and uh, one of the episodes, it was a live show, and they his whole team was out there. They were talking about flying and how they didn't fly with conan and he and they were like oh we could have flown with him he wouldn't let us and conan just whipped out he's like hey i like to put my feet up <laughs> and i was like oh <laughs> did he just drop a mr burns on them and just drop a simpsons quote in the middle of that where he's like yeah i like to put my feet up <laughs> i i mean he could have written i that. think well i think it was from his it was definitely from his time there so he could have written it or he was at least in the writer's room when that yeah. happened. <laughs> it's 
So yeah, so that's my little sidebar to start because sure. uh, you brought up the Simpsons and that got me to Conan. And uh, let's get to the NHL, I guess, <laughs> and and more of what this clown show is. Uh, although it's not a clown show where we got to start. It's a uh, it's the class of the Hall of Fame that was just inducted, led by Henrik Lundqvist. And as a New York Rangers fan, this was the proudest I was of the Hall of Fame class uh, in years, baby. <laughs> Yeah, was was Lundqvist a first-timer? First One of the rare first-timers, but to me. it made perfect sense when you honestly think about it. Because uh, we talked about it, we've talked about it before in the past on this show. It's not just about your NHL career, which with Lundqvist, it is, he's got a Vesna trophy. He's over 400 wins. What are the top winningest goalies of all time? Save percentage, look at the numbers, shutouts, one franchise. Oh, they love the one franchise thing, but also his accolades uh, internationally because that matters as well. And he's got gold medals. He's got international championships. So never got the cup, but it has an Eastern Conference championship. And, and, and was very consistently one of the best players at his position throughout his career. If I, I don't, I don't have like a good way to go and look up like top 10 voting for trophies each year i don't think but like was always in the vesna conversation i remember there was even one year so with the i know where he he became a fourth entrant where they actually put a fourth entrant on because of him because they were they, i i, oh, okay. I, I wow. while, while you do that i'll look that up but there was a year where there was four because i just remember being like holy crap did they really just like there's no way lundquist doesn't win it and then he didn't win it <laughs> yeah the, there's that that could have been a situation where maybe like third was tied or something like that but yeah it's uh two thousand it, it's well deserved for him particularly it does feel like this was the whoops all goalies edition uh but you know i i don't I don't get that worked up over people that are getting in so much as I get worked up over the people that aren't in yet. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and that's the thing we could sit here, we could talk about the hall of fame class, but whatever it's, you know, Hey, did you watch the hall of fame ceremony or any of it, John? I did. Uh, I watched one quiz. I honestly didn't know it was. <laughs> uh, okay. Actually I do have something to that, that now that I think about, so I watched one quiz stuff but I, I watched a lot of the highlights of it from the Rangers side and just what circulated the internet. And that's, that was good enough for me. I was fine with that. Um, I did see somebody throw out though. Uh, and, and I only bring this up cause you forgot it was on where they were mad. The NHL had two games going on that night and felt that they should be focusing all their attention on the hall of fame ceremony because the league should stop to recognize the hall of fame induction of these players and ambassadors and all of that. So which my feeling is no major league baseball doesn't stop on hall of fame day. NBA. I don't, I don't know when they do theirs, but I don't imagine they stop. And I damn well know the NFL doesn't stop for anything. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of the broadcasts the day of are usually focused yeah. around it. And there's even like a hall of fame game where the all the players end up going are in attendance and stuff usually it's a maple leafs game i would think but like 
if you want the whole hockey world to be like stopped and focused on you, just induct them in August. And I think that's what the NFL does. This is does. like an insanely simple yeah, I think that's what the NFL does. I think the NFL does it like, I think that's what leads to, that's the whole preseason first football game is like they do the induction ceremony and then it leads into a preseason football game. And it's the kickoff of the NFL season after we inducted our class of the year. Um, my other thing to it is why would, I forgot who was playing that night. It, I think it was, a kid, I, I want to say it was like the Senators or something like that. But like, why would the Senators give a crap that Henrik Lundqvist is being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame? You know, like yeah. it's it's counter programming yeah. as well in the sense of the average hockey fan doesn't care. The the you know the Ducks fan does not care about this Hall of Fame class. Yeah, and like if you're the Devils, do you feel like you should really stop to recognize Henrik Lundqvist? I mean, yes, I mean, they should. They should I, recognize Daddy. That yeah, we all should. But as far as the as like individual teams like that, it's like the it the the other point to that is that it's the Hockey Hall of Fame, not the NHL yes. Hall of Fame. So it's not the NHL getting in its own way there. It's just. It's just a typical Tuesday night or Monday night. When when did they do it? Monday night? Yeah, it had to okay. be Monday night That's because we're recording this on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, so so for that I was just very I was puzzled by that reaction. Yeah. Uh I, I I yeah. So, no, don't we don't need to stop. We don't need to do any of that, but uh, yeah, let's 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 dive in though to what we really want to talk about, or really what you want to talk about, because you messaged me and you were like, "Hey, it's great, we got a hockey Hall of Fame class," but I'm worked up. I got I've been pulling numbers, I've been doing the thing, and I want and you wanted to talk about the guys that you think should be in the hockey Hall of Fame, and I gotta say, I hope Mike Richter is on that list because now that goalies are going in. <laughs> Uh, apparently we're putting in every goalie so him and chris osgood can go in together how's that um yeah, he was the so, winningest american yeah, no, goalie until ryan miller came along okay uh, well someone had to be so like <laughs> <laughs> you're spitting out your drink laughing at that because it's so that that's our best goalie come on america i we, i said it last year produce so, a good goalie somebody produce a good goalie uh, so when it comes to what I, what we've looked at for the hall of fame here, uh, there's a number of different things to tackle it on what the person that seems like a surefire first ballot next year is Shea Weber to which like, fine. Uh, beyond that, you could almost have the oops, all Russian edition to follow up the, uh, oops all goalie edition now granted with everything happening in the world politically i think this is unlikely to happen because russian players are kind of persona non grata right now but at the same time igor larionov is a member of the hall of fame selection committee so i think there's hope and i'm going to throw out four names of russian players here i you tell me who you want to talk okay. about first alexander mcgillney oh. Ilya Kovalchuk will be eligible. Sergei Gonchar has been eligible. And the person coming up on his first year of eligibility next year will be Pavel Datsyuk. Ooh. Well, oh. 
You know what? Let's the McGinley thing. We 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 scream about it every year. Uh, how, why how he's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame right now is just such a. So I don't think we need to really talk that one. But let's start with uh, let, start, yeah. let's start with Gonchar. Because okay. I feel like that's that's Gonchar. Kovalchuk, I you know I feel like Kovalchuk. There's a uh, easier case, but Gonchar, I'm curious about because Gonchar, I remember being a guy that see more as a borderline player. But lay it out to me. Lay it out. Let, yeah. let me see. He might yeah. be better than I remember. Thirteen hundred NHL games. Excuse me. Excuse me. Thirteen hundred one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he played had 220 goals, 591 assists, which is good for 811 points. Which, good. like, just getting just getting to a thousand is kind of insane. Uh, getting to 1300 games is just unheard of. Uh, in addition to that, uh, was a part of the Pittsburgh Penguins for a decent amount of time for Sidney Crosby's. Uh, first time in the league, won the cup with the Penguins in 2009-2010, uh, although it was pretty close to not. Uh, but we don't need to go there. Excuse me, 0809. Not... Uh, I forget. Uh, they took them all the way to game seven. So, like, at that point, like, did you even try? Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, he, he started his career with the Caps in, like, the early 90s. Yeah. So, I feel like the fact that he played for 20 years and played at a relatively high level for all of that time is something that deserves to be recognized there. What's his, uh, what and was then his in international? Addition, I think you might've been getting there. Uh, international. There's not as much to it. There's the world championships in uh, 2000. And then he was, his like junior team was in 1993. Oh, so yeah. I don't nah. even have a ton of information there for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but just based on, uh, I just think that longevity for it has to be respected at a certain point. And, and, and like, okay. So his last season, he played 45 games. He was good for 13 points and a plus 16, right. or excuse me, a plus seven. So it's not like he completely fell off a cliff at the no. end either and only got to that 1301 mark because of a bunch of empty calorie games. Yeah, like Arizona need to flesh out so, their lineup. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He was he yeah, had times in Dallas, had times in Ottawa, uh had a brief stint with Boston for a playoff run. Uh, but yeah, the, for everything that he offered and I never really any Vesna consideration, never really, uh, when you're playing in the same eras like Lidstrom and Pronger and all, Niedermeyer, all those guys, like just being in the conversation at all, I think is mm -hmm. remarkable. And just, yeah, to, to have been around that long, he should probably have. Yeah, some. that's, I mean, it's a better career than I thought he had. Uh, and he's got the cup to it. Yeah. So yeah, I you know what? That's that's a guy that could go in. I feel like that's you. Mm, that's that's a Hall of Famer in my eyes when I think of Datsu, but I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I I think out of the four there, Datsu may be the most likely to get in, even with anti-Russian sentiment yeah. right now. 
Uh, because just given how influential he was, uh, it's hard to, you know, deny him for anything when he was like the first real, like, highlight real YouTube yeah. guy that you could have. That, and the number of players that will go back and say, it's like, yeah, like growing up, I watched Datsuit clips to learn how to play defense. Uh, and, and like the one counter argument that you always hear to it is the numbers aren't insanely impressive, which was 953 NHL games, 314 goals, 604 assists, 918 points. So like, just given like the Datsuk reputation, you would think that that total was a little yeah. higher, but he was never, he was never like a lights out kind of scorer. Like I think the most goals he ever had in a year was like 32, somewhere around there. I want to say, uh, but would also put up 97 points fairly regularly. So, uh, and then like, as you kind of go through, you see he got one, two, three, four, four Lady Bings, three uh, Selkie trophies. Mm. Like that by itself, I think is probably enough that's, to put him in. Well, that's, the, that's the definitely the there. big thing with him is those extra awards uh, and the Selkie is definitely going to help him out. Now, the question that I do have, uh, I, I'm curious, do you think with Kovalchuk, do you think that, because uh, I think out of the four of them, he might be the one closest to the bottom, even though he definitely has a Hall of Fame career. Do you think that he's hurt by well, his decision to just leave? <laughs> I I think that's definitely possible because the, they're, the one thing to be said about a lot of these uh, decision is like 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 any sort of selection committee like there's things that are political about it and between the uh contract that was they decided was uh cap circumvention even though he was far from the only person doing it i digress uh and uh the decision to just kind of out of nowhere uh kind of disappear back to the khl and eventually come back when he was a shell of his former self frankly uh that could definitely hinder him there and and of course the not winning a cup is always something that'll get held against you but was also a rocket richard winner uh and like datsuk was part of that 2018 uh olympic team that got gold so there's that too um yeah like i think that's a so nine NHL totals for Kovalchuk were 926 games, 443 goals, whoa, mm -hmm. uh, 443 yeah. goals, 433 yeah, assists. He was so, so damn good, dude. As he was so good when he just yeah. left. Yeah. So to me, like, I think, like, his candidacy may be colored a little by recency just to where people remember his times with the Kings and the Canadians and yeah. the Capitals and stuff, but just like the Thrasher's Devils era Kovalchuk was out of his mind levels he was, of good. He might have been, I mean, might have been, he definitely was one of the best players in the league with his time in Atlanta and when he got to the Devils. But yeah, I, I that's that's my thing is I just feel like while everything might be all good and dandy, like, you know, New Jersey got its fine that was pulled back and all of that good stuff and everybody's moved on. Like, I could just see kind of that vengefulness of, well, not only is he Russian, but 
he totally screwed an entire franchise over. And then when he came back, he was just, you know, he was what he was, which was not what we all remembered. So I, I don't know. I could say, I just feel like maybe there could be some bad taste in his mouth, but it's not going to matter until they finally just put McGinley in. So I, I, I probably said this a bit last year, so I'll try to summarize it for anyone that for some reason has listened to us that long, but for anyone that hasn't heard me say it, (laughs) yeah, Alexander McGillney was part of the Russian Red Army team to where like you're genuinely an officer in the army and your entire job is to play hockey. Uh, And he had to defect to come to the Buffalo Sabres. To me, that alone makes him Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, You know, just... Going through something that any other player could could not possibly imagine the levels of paranoia and difficulty breaking through the Iron Curtain to get into the NHL here. Uh, but then had a pretty decent career with Buffalo, Vancouver, New Jersey, and Toronto. Uh, so, you know, he played for Toronto. I don't see why he did, the Hall of Fame committee doesn't think he walks on water for that reason alone. But 990 games, 1,032 points. Uh, just toward, towards the end of his career, Grant, he played like 20 games in the AHL. So even though even though he's 10 games short of that 1,000-game mark that we all yeah. love, I it, it, just, it just wasn't happening yeah. for him. Uh, but came but later the, as well because he was a defect. Exactly. Exactly. He, the first three years of his career were all uh, – CSK Moscow so I don't know if you it's to to me it's just everything he had to overcome to get into the league to begin with and was insanely good on top of that it's just I don't know why he hasn't played since 2006 I don't know why he, why we even got listen, Yamir Yager, who hasn't even retired yet, is going to be going into the Hockey Hall of Fame before they finally put <laughs> like that's how sad it is. It's, it's kind of going to be that situation where they're going to be like, Well, Yager might still be playing overseas, but let's just put him into the Hall of Fame. He's you know, let's be real, his career deserves it. Yeah, to, to, to me, they should they should waive the that yeah. requirement for him like they did for Gretzky, yeah. But... Doesn't seem like Yager's no, going anywhere. No. Oh, but his um, number is getting retired in Pittsburgh. Did you see that? That's cool. Yeah. Yes. That's a, finally doing the right thing there now that ownership is. <laughs> yeah. Changed. Well, you know, things might not be going too well uh, in the near future for Pittsburgh. Doesn't seem. Uh, yeah. Like gotta it. have a reason to sell out a exactly. Tuesday like, when exactly. you can. But. <laughs> yeah. But I was, I was very happy to see them finally yeah, that do that cool. for Yager. Uh, the women's game. So every year it seems like they put in one and only one. This year it was uh, Caroline Ouellette. Uh I'll make this really simple for you. Uh, Dr. Haley Wickenheiser and for Canada, Jennifer Botterell for the U.S. Oh, wow. We could have a Hall of Fame class with two women. Who would have thought? No, no, no. No, 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 uh, no, no. No, no, no. We're only – this is the NHL. The, just the one this time. Is, yeah, this is hockey, not the NHL apologize this is hockey yeah we're only gonna do Uh, the bare minimum yeah but i i am hopeful that uh with them having a consistent league 
it'll make it a lot easier to kind of compare numbers for players and maybe that will help a little bit with with getting women that's in a great future. point because yeah i i think that's that's some that's a that's a big thing like the more eyes that end up getting on the sport it's going to be easier for us to be like well, why isn't what, what's going on here like why are we only doing one like, yeah there's plenty of women that are very deserving to go into the hockey hall of fame why are we only doing one what's happening like so yeah i think with the league and more eyes on it that could build a little bit of that pressure on them to be like stop doing the bare minimum and actually do the thing that you are you know there to do honor and recognize the best of the best of the best yeah and so speaking of best of the best of okay. the best the other the uh, one other candidacy that's getting that's going to be eligible for it curious to hear your thoughts on the idea of Patrick Marlowe in the Hall of Fame. Because it seems like people are kind of split. You know, you're going to have to throw... I'm going to need his numbers, but like, just to see if I, I'm correct here. I feel like that's a Hall of Famer. I feel like that's a guy that, that had a really great career that people might like people that don't think he belongs in might be overlooking and really like underestimating what he did on the ice and what he meant as well. I, I, I remember him being just clutch, like so clutch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think part of what is kind of working against him is the fact that he was, he was never the best player no. at his position. Uh, he he was never top ten at his position. Frankly, uh, was never like a big, you know, consistent all star or a household name or a face that you always recognized. Uh, no no postseason accolades, no Stanley Cups, anything like that. Uh, his numbers are seventeen hundred and seventy nine games played, uh, the most in NHL history by anyone. Uh, and over that time, 1,197 points. So to me, yeah, that that deserves recognition there. If he was if he was like some fourth liner throughout all of his career, I might have a little bit more time for the arguments that like. He's yeah, he just Iron Man it out. Sort he of just guy. Iron Man it out. And, you know, had a great yeah, career. but but. But yeah, started playing in 97 and stopped in 2021. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be good enough. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and and I think you, I think that's the the big thing is, I think the people that don't think he's a Hall of Famer are are forgetting that like, he played played on teams with like Joe Thornton. So, you know, you just don't think of him, but if you really start, thinking back to some of those games, who was the biggest player on that team? It was kind of, you know, he was a clutch player. Like that's what I remember with him. I remember he was the guy that could get the big goal, uh, big face off draws. Like that's kind of what he did. He was kind of that guy that was great. I don't know. I just really think that Marlowe is a hall of famer. I, 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 I but the, but the more we have these conversations, the more I kind of wonder, am I, too lenient on the hall of fame class. Cause I know that there are some people out there that are really like, it's the hall of fame. Like 
but what has Marlowe really done outside of playing a lot of games and, and subsequently getting a lot of points out of that? And, and, and that's what, and that's where the argument I always come back to that is it's not the hall of stats. It's not the hall of trophies. It's not the hall of you know, anything like that. It's the hall of fame. Like if you could put in Daniel Alfredson for being a freaking icon for the senators and for Swedish hockey and stuff like that without all the postseason accolades necessarily, then yeah, that there's, there's always going to be room in the hall for guys like this. Uh, what I don't like, I, I just, when, when something happens like Tom Barrasso getting in, it's like, I don't know if Tom Barrasso ever would have made a list <laughs> of mine, but like, it's not something worth getting all that worked up about, you know, it's like, well, he's in, what yeah. can you do? Uh, I'm, I'm dreading the uh, conversation that I feel like will be forthcoming, which is that if Tom Barrasso and Mike Vernon can get in, then Chris Osgood. Well, yeah. And then that leads to the, like, I, like I was kind of joking, but I feel like the conversation is going to happen with Mike Richter because winning is American goalie at the time. And here's, and, but here's where my, my actual arguing in favor of them comes into play as well, where I believe that with the hall of fame, and I believe this with all the sports, uh, you know, I don't stand by the the extreme belief of like very few should get in because to me, the Hall of Fame represents the best of whatever that generation is. And I have this feeling and it mainly comes down to uh, baseball with like how they shun Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and all of them. And like, yeah, part of me gets it. Yeah, the steroid guys, the guys that are all connected to that, where my issue with that is you're excluding a whole generation of the sport and and the players that represented your sport and that you sold. Like that's the face of that era of your sport. So your hall of fame tells the story of your league. So in the hockey hall of fame, you know, like, yeah, you don't want to just let anybody in because you're not, but guys like, you know, Marlowe, they, Tell the story of your league of kind of the last of the Ironmen, really. And as well as guys that played great and transitioned through different eras of your sport. Because think about it. That's a guy, a guy like Marlowe played pre, pre the lockout, then another lockout. So he watched. <laughs> I was going to say, which one? Yeah, I, I'm, well, I was trying to think of the way to word it of the how the league changed before the, uh, you know, the first lockout there where it was a very different league. And then all of a sudden two line passes out and it's very open league and interference and stuff like that is being cracked down on or So they say, Uh, and then, you know, we had our next lockout and then, you know, the league kind of has transitioned since then where we've talked about it, where a lot of the players that are up now only know the post lockout league of offense, 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 not, clutch and grab, clutch and grab, clutch and grab, and New Jersey Devils snooze you the fest, uh, snooze fest, you know, where we're playing trap zone defense and all that. So he was able to play through trap zone to open to, you know, like tell us the story of your league. So I, I don't know. That's just kind of my feeling on the Hall of Fame. I, I hate when people get like really anal about it and gatekeeper-ish. Yeah. Yeah, and and like uh, Keith Kachuk is a really good example of someone that's not in the Hall of Fame. Um, In my opinion, deserves it. uh, It was was really, really good, but you 
you got to draw the line somewhere. Granted, I I don't know if Keith Kachuk is where to draw the line <laughs> because there you can definitely name players that accomplish less than he did. Yeah. Got in. Uh, I I think if his sons are good enough, we can put him in as a builder. And speaking of builders, I like that segue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which which wasn't a good time because the other thing I wanted to say for Marlowe is just reading through his stats for that Iron Man streak, especially is it, it's nuts. Starts in two thousand nine. It goes uh, games played. 82, 82, 82, 48, which is yeah. lockout shortened season. 82, 82, 82, 82, 82, 82, 58, <laughs> pandemic. Uh, it just keeps rolling like that throughout everything. And it's just, it's too much. Uh, my nomination for a builder, I don't think I'll actually come in, but her story deserves to be told. Colleen. Man, Howard. you're really pushing it. You want three women on this? Like, come on. They they don't even give us <laughs> one. I, <laughs> I, I'm out of control. Uh, but no, it, the, it, it, this is another historical wrong that needs to be righted as far as I'm concerned. Helped build hockey in Michigan. And I'm pretty sure she's already in the Michigan Sports Hall of Fame for it, but it's not enough. Uh, in addition to just everything that came along with, you know, supporting Gordy Howe and the and their children who would go on to play and everything like that, uh, was also responsible for building one of the first indoor rinks in Michigan. All through the 50s, the early 60s, all the rinks were outdoors, which I understand, you know, the climate was very different then. So this is something that was possible in yeah. Michigan. Uh, but she, and it didn't, it wasn't just a, you know, oh, like, I think we should have an indoor rink. And then someone goes, but no, Colleen, how like organized it, fundraised for it, mortgaged her house to help build Gordy Howe Hockey Land, which was like the first private indoor rink and just spawned so much for hockey at that level and also helped create just like entire leagues for kids to play in because for a while if you were in Michigan you could play minor midget and then there was nothing and then you have like NCAA on the other side of that so it helped like get hockey schools involved into everything and start let Michigan get to the point where they could start making junior hockey players and just there, there's the list goes on and on of the different things that she helped accomplish just through her own means and through her own dedication to hockey i think there deserves to be a colleen howe plaque there right. as well i back you <laughs> wise <Yes>. choice <laughs> all right uh, i got anything else on the who's next or who you think should be next? um yeah it's just I, I feel like the best analogy that you can make for it when you're telling the story of it is I can walk in there, I can read about what Paul Coffey did with the Oilers and be in awe. When I go in there and I read about Kevin Lowe on the Oilers, I don't know that he belongs there. Yeah, well, you know, he was part of, what, five of the six cups or something like that? Four of the six? Or yeah. However yeah. many they so won. So were lots yeah. of people. Yeah, the yeah, and they're all in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Not everybody from that. Yeah, and they all and they all seem to be Oiler general yeah, manager yeah, at some yeah. point. It's, an, it's very impressive. And uh, oh, speaking of the Oilers, uh, let's just move into them. 
God, that, that segue took me way yeah. too long. I <laughs> you're okay. Uh, you're fine. Uh, I, for a second there, I was like, oh, yeah, we, we actually have the Oilers up here next on the uh, discussion <laughs> board because... Uh, Why is he going on about the Oilers? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I have it written right in front of me. Changes uh, in Edmonton. They have fired head coach Jay Woodcroft and assistant coach Dave Manson. Uh, that happened over the weekend. Uh, yeah, Edmonton was 3-9-1 at that point of the firings. Uh, since then, they have hired uh, Knobloch, baby. Uh, they brought in Knobloch from the AHL affiliate, uh, Chris Knobloch, that is, from the Hartford Wolfpack, uh, the New York Rangers affiliate. Uh, so I have a little bit of uh, commentary about this because this is kind of fun. Uh, but Chris Knobloch is now the new head coach of Edmonton. Got a win in his first game. Way to go. Beat the Islanders. Uh, go figure. Uh, it, it had nothing to do with the coaching and everything to do with Connor McDavid and uh, Leon Dreisaitl, you know, putting up points. Um, the slump is yeah. Busted. So uh, that's what happened uh, last time since we spoke uh, about Edmonton and kind of how bad it was. Oh, should mention that uh, they lost to the San Jose Sharks as well since the last time we spoke. Yes. Which is kind of what sparked all of this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, g- going back to last week when we were talking about how excited we were for the <laughs> possibility of Sharks versus Oilers with the Sharks getting their first win. Uh, yeah, it happened to yeah. them. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm of two minds of something like this. On the one hand, like anytime you watch something with the Oilers, you know, a goal gets given up by a guy where the defenseman's completely out of position, he's all alone. You look at a situation like that and you go, well, that's not a systems issue, right? There isn't a system to say, hey, let this guy get right up next to the goalie completely uncovered. Uh, So a lot of it is difficult to kind of post on the coach for their struggles. And as you may or may not have heard, Jay Woodcroft, highest winning percentage in Oilers history. Well, at least he was until uh, Chris Knobloch got yeah. his first. <laughs> well, uh, to quickly jump in there, I, I saw that uh, at least before the game against the Islanders, McDavid had only 10 points on the season. That, that, he was playing at a 73-point pace. That, w- that would be the lowest output of his career other than his injured, shortened rookie season in 15-16. He, he, de- he has looked downright human oh, yeah. this year. Yeah. I mean, he told the media that that his confidence is not very high, and it's so evident. Yeah, and to which, like, I'm fairly certain he has to have some kind of injury going on. Uh, but frankly, like, if even if he's operating at eighty percent, seventy percent, that's still better than most mm-hmm. NHLers. You got to mm-hmm. imagine, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. But yeah, it, it's been, it's um, been, and Dreisaitl hasn't been any better as well. And, and for me, that's where to really just kind of jump in here really quickly. That for me is unfortunate for Woodcroft. Cause as you mentioned, the high, he, he was the best coach the Oilers had, uh, dude, when he took over the team, he, he since taking over the team from Tippett, he had a 79, 41 and 13 record. That was the fifth best coaching record in the NHL over that time period as well. So like, it, it wasn't a Woodcroft thing. It was the, it, to me, it's the Oilers are not getting the production from the guys that last year 
put up almost 300 points combined in McDavid and Dreisaitl. You know, and you had, what, they had like four players with 100-point seasons last year. Like, they were out of their mind offensively, and it all came crashing down, which is exposing the team for what they kind of are and honestly making me wonder if why we would believe that this is a Stanley Cup contender because they're just built for offense, man. That's it. And if the offense isn't there, there's nothing else there. There's The goaltending can't stop shots. The defense is suspect. And if if your top two guys aren't going, what else is there? Yeah, and, and in, in Jay Woodcroft's defense for a lot of this sort of stuff, uh, like their Oilers, like underlying numbers aren't that bad. Like if you look at like the shots generated, high danger chances, expected goals, like all of that stuff is, you know, comparable for something that you would see out of an elite team uh what really sank them this year was jack campbell having an 873 save percentage uh and his backup seward skinner is, has barely been better at 876 so, so with a you know sometimes you can say well the defense isn't helping him out and this that and the other uh not not at not at a safe percentage no. that low they, they just yeah, the, which is puts you in a weird position because the argument you hear is like, well, Jay Woodcroft didn't just stop learn, knowing how to be a good coach overnight. And it's like, yeah, true, but did Jack Campbell stop knowing how to be a good goalie? Apparently. <laughs> like, or, or, or a league average goalie? Uh, which, have you seen what he's like in the did, AHL? Did he get lit up again? At what you, meant, you, you had messaged me the first night. He gave he, up like four goals or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he he has played three games. Uh, he has a he has faced fifty nine shots, uh, thirteen goals allowed, which is good for an eight nineteen. And that's percentage. the thing; their goaltending uh, just that, that, like, that he might yeah, be like, done. Which is, I mean, listen, he wasn't. I I never thought he was great, but I at least thought he was league average at best. <laughs> and it appears he's yeah, yeah. And that's cool. all the Oilers need yeah. for this. Like you mentioned, the being built for offense. Uh, it's it's so strange to see them compared to last year, especially. Uh, but with everything that you see out of Matthias Ekholm this year, especially, which he was phenomenal last year, but just has come crashing back down to earth all of a sudden. And so... Their, that's their biggest bright spot there is Connor and Leon. And I really kind of feel for the situation Connor's been put in here mm. because they were, they were talking a lot about, you know, did they, you know, talk to him beforehand or all this sort of stuff, which I imagine they would say, you know, Hey, uh, the snob block guy, is he any good sort of thing? But then you think maybe he didn't because the president of the Oilers now, the guy above general manager Ken Holland, uh, just so happens to have been McDavid's former agent. Yeah. So you have his former agent is uh, president of the team. His junior coach is the coach of the team. Now, it's just like anything else that happens to this team is going to forever be tied to McDavid. Oh, yeah. And there's no way anyone's going to be able to 
shake the perception, whether it's true or not, of him basically calling the shots. Well, there. Ken Holland is definitely just GM in title at this point to me. Like, he's not the guy making the decisions because, yeah, you're right. This is Jeff Jackson's fingerprints all over it. Um, and, and yeah, like, that that's the thing with the Knobloch thing that makes me kind of chuckle is, uh, yeah, all I ever heard with him being the head coach of the Harper Wolfpack in the Rangers crowd of he should be the next head coach because he will untap the potential of Lafreniere and Kako uh, and all the rookies is that he's the reason McDavid is who McDavid is. McDavid's who McDavid is because McDavid is McDavid. Uh, yes, it's nice that he got his his OHL eerie bench boss as his head coach now, but does it really mean anything? No, and, and, I, I will say Knobloch has been a rising God. star, though, for a while. He has been on a lot of lists. And he was, at least I know, in Ranger fandom, they were hoping... everybody. There was a big kind of... I don't want to say big, but there was, there was a group that really wanted him to be the next head coach and were pissed when they uh, hired uh, LaViolette uh, and really believed that Knobloch was the right choice young coach you know get out of the boys club go with one of the new options i just didn't i just never really bought it with not block i and i don't think he was the right yeah. coach for and, the rangers and, and i don't know if he's gonna be the right one for Edmonds. yeah and i and i think he, there deserves to be some recognition of the rangers here for being in a potentially bad spot, kind of like we talked about last week where your AHL coach is piecing out in the middle mm-hmm. of the year, but they did ultimately kind of say, you know, hey, they, they didn't have yeah. to let him pursue the, pursue a job like this. But I think they realistically said, well, we're not going to make him coach of the Rangers, so it would be unfair to not give him the opportunity to take over elsewhere. Uh, so was happy to see them do something like that. Uh, but yeah, the everything that they go back to for it, a lot of that, I'm, I was curious to get your Rangers perspective from it because outside of the Rangers, everyone has this, oh yeah, that team that's terrible at developing prospects. He was their AHL coach. Huh? Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. That always but, but, made but, me laugh too with the Ranger fandom, with that, with that group that was like, oh Get, hire the AHL coach. By the way, we're the same group that thinks every one of the prospects and every kid is bad. Uh, and this team yeah. can't develop youth. So hire the AHL coach to be the head coach because he's going to untap the rookies because he was the bench boss for McDavid. Again, you're you're trying to compare Capo Caco to Connor McDavid, who was never on that comparison Lafreniere was never on that comparison as well so stop trying to think that's a thing they were ne- they were never in the same no, stress no no like it's no. just even even when Lafreniere yeah. was a consensus number one pick that year in the draft you know we could all play the stupid go back and I hate the go back and redraft mocks and blah 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 yeah at the time of the draft this was our consensus this is what it was that's great we can go back now we've talked you and me have talked about it not on this show but I, I, or maybe we have brought it up. How many, the percentage of how many first round picks actually end up making it. Uh, and it's not as, it's not as many as you think. Oh, guess what? All 32 of them don't end up in the, 
in the league. It just doesn't happen. Um, what if that did happen one year? That would be wild, and it would, but it would be an anomaly. But, but it would be but an yeah, anomaly even, because it doesn't happen. Like, so I hate the idea yeah, that even, that uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent that I don't want to go off on. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, so so it's I I get why they made this move yes. in the sense that you can't you can't just let a team slide into a 10 game losing streak without shaking up something even if it's not the coach's fault like sometimes that's the person who's head that ends up on the chopping block i do think it's very funny that they have paul coffee as an assistant coach now who i'm fairly certain has not even coached like a junior team and and whose like job title is special advisor to the owner daryl cates like it's like, okay, so we know what this is, right? This is just so he has a direct line into what's going on on the bench there. Is that just like, I don't know. That doesn't seem like something that's going to help. No, it's, it's a weird situation, but you're right. It makes sense. You know, the coach was obviously going to be the first one to go here. You're not going to make any drastic trades or anything like that. Like this is the team you're going forward with. So unfortunately the head coach takes the fall. We'll see what happens with Knobloch. I mean, again, this is this is a coach that was moving up the ranks and was and was considered a hot commodity as far as one of the young up and comers that would get his shot. He's got his shot. It's a team that you know can easily start playing at a hundred point pace, and he's going to look like a genius if McDavid starts playing like Connor McDavid again, and and Drysital as well looks like Drysital. Or if they just get a save. Yeah, if their goaltending can at least play at a at a 900 save percentage, he'll look like a genius. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I do want to – there's something that I saw that I have to bring up. Um, <laughs> a, a Carolina Hurricanes blogger, I won't even say where it came from because I don't want anybody to even click on it. It doesn't deserve the clicks because it feels like it was intentional bait. Uh, we read this garbage, so you. I did, I did, I did, because the garbage was Connor McDavid. Because McDavid is uh, allegedly is unhappy in Edmonton. Where will he be traded to, and how can Carolina land him? And the trade offers that this dude was throwing out there was like, oh, Pesh, Pesh, and like draft picks. No prospects, no anything like that. Uh, uh, NECA. And maybe like a first round draft pick. And it was like, no, you're going to have to package them and probably your top like three prospects and two first round picks. Like you're not getting McDavid straight up for somebody in some picks. Was this the, like the hockey writers where like pretty much any... I could start writing about pretty much the writer was one of those. Like I do this, I do that. And I love the Canes. So I wrote this blog for this one blog site. And I was like, and everybody was just like, he was right. He was ratioed. He was ratioed hard and didn't even try to like come back and defend it. But, but kind of did one of those where he was like, Oh, here come the haters. And I was like, you knew what you were writing. You were writing crap. Yeah. And, and you put crap out there. And I really hate when people just put crap out there like that because it was one of those, like, he got me to click on it because I was like, all right, what are you offering up? And then when it's just 
straight up shit that wouldn't even happen in an NHL video game because the computer would reject it. It's like, grow up, dude. Come on. Don't. So, so the thing that I keep going back to for McDavid not having any success up to this point, because I'm not sure, I guess we still compare everyone to Gretzky where they yeah. win right away. But Glenn Hanlon, Bruce Boudreaux, Dale Oops. Hunter, Adam Oates, Barry Trotz. Oates. Ovechkin had five different coaches before he won a cup. So let's all just take a breath on the career of Connor McDavid. I, I, well, I did see somebody, somebody to take a breath as well. I did see somebody because of course, right now it is all about McDavid and Edmonton, McDavid and Edmonton and, and legacy. Um, somebody was putting out the McDavid has to win in Edmonton or it will impact his, his legacy if he doesn't win in Edmonton because he's so embedded to Edmonton. I don't buy that. Yeah. Like if, if you win it, you win it, you know, like it's flags fly forever. As they say, I mean, in two years, he really could be like, you know what? I'm not resigning. It's not working in Edmonton. I'm going to take my talent, you know, to South beach or something like that. Um, <laughs> he yeah, could like, LeBron James uh, all of okay. us and turn heel really quickly. Like, <laughs> the, yeah, okay. You know how McDavid turns yeah. heel? He gets traded to Toronto <laughs> and wins. I think if he goes to Toronto and he wins, he essentially becomes Hulk Hogan, uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, NWO. Like he's that version of NWO where it becomes cool to be that guy now. If if McDavid got to Toronto and won a cup there in ten years, we would all forget that he used to play. Yeah, that's true. That would be the legacy. Like that's, that's legacy. That's... <laughs> forget John Tavares sharing yeah. the photo of him as a child with his Star Wars. Pajamas. Oh no, his Star his Wars clock. Star Wars clock and his Maple Leafs pajamas and bed sheets, and then Islander fans wonder why didn't he resign with us? Why did he go sign in Toronto? I don't <laughs> get what would happen here. I don't get why a guy being asked yeah. by the media wouldn't just come out and say, "I'm not going to resign here." <laughs> oh yeah, I still can't get over that. Your your GM is to blame for all of that. <laughs> and, and what was he supposed to say? Uh, oh, yeah I, uh, yeah, I hate it here. Oh, hey. I, I, I'm leaving first um, chance again. Uh, you know, I know we're in the middle of a playoff race, but if if I don't get a contract here, I'm re-signing with my team, so trade me. You're all going to turn on me then. Yeah. You know, do we want honesty? Actually, you know what? I know that's not the next thing in the other notes, but do you want honesty, Islander fans? Because it sure as hell seems like you don't want honesty from your players to segue out of this and into the next thing. Uh, Islander fans. Oh, this was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for uh, getting me on Tavares. Islander fans, you don't like it when your players are honest with you through the media. Uh, Because apparently they don't want you chanting the fire of the coach in the middle of the game because it's disrespectful. And then you can't handle it. But to be fair, I actually agree with Islander fans on this one. (laughs) 
So yeah, for for those that are unfamiliar, uh, Casey. Oh, Zizekas, Casey Zizekas, uh, you very, dumb son of a bitch. Very, very, <laughs> uh, very, very upset that Islanders fans were chanting uh, for the firing of Lane Lambert. Uh, I hear Jay Woodcroft's on the market. <laughs> uh, oh, son of a bitch! They're gonna refer- fall into another good coach, which is gonna make Lou Lamorello <laughs> seem like he's smart. <laughs> <sighs> and, and well, well he jay woodcroft could end up in ottawa too so it <laughs> remains to be seen uh that's the turnaround but but yeah casey sezikis uh basic uh referred to the fans as gutless Ooh. bastards for calling for the firing of his coach <laughs> and uh apparently said that if that's the attitude that they have they should not come to the games which i'm sure Islanders ownership is just thrilled about reading that quote. A um, franchise they that could forever be struggled with attendance has a brand new arena. It is trying to stay afloat in a playoff race and be relevant to keep selling out. Yeah. Stop showing up because our coach sucks. Yeah. And, and honestly, good for Casey Sezikis for being in a headline for the first time. <laughs> uh, but I honestly I, forgot he was I, playing I for the Islanders until he's I, I, I love Casey Sezikis because when I would watch stuff with my Islanders buddy, it always seemed like Sezikis would score a goal in a game I was watching. So, like, realistically, Casey Sezikis is my boy. I almost bought a Casey Sezikis oh jersey when I went to see, see a game made there. That's forever. <laughs> that, I, that's fine. I have Johnny Boychuk yeah, instead. Yeah, I'm going to make fun of you uh, even more so now. <laughs> I like defense. <laughs> yeah, don't um, you have a Windholm jersey? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do have a a Norfolk Admirals uh, Hampus yeah, Lindholm. He got jersey. to play here for a hockey. Who went on to have quite the career, yeah, if I, I remember got to see correctly. him play minor league Which hockey. I that was fun. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking uh, about? Casey Sezikis. <laughs> that's right that's right yeah uh the islanders not looking great here i mean they're Uh, right there they're they're one of the teams right there but yeah they've been looking like a team that you don't expect to make a run yeah they're they're seventh in their division uh they have lost one two three four five straight uh really struggling to score goals but uh even more so just having a lot of trouble preventing them even mm, more you would have seen that coming uh, with this so well, well to be fair have, the goaltending is not uh, also like it's i mean it's still world yeah class, Ilias, it's still world-class goaltending but it's kind of just him now yeah it, and it's been i was watching when, that when their goaltending can oilers game i was watching when, that when their goaltending can carry them when their goaltending can carry them they can get a whole lot of places that way but when the goaltending's not carrying them uh there's just nothing there anymore and and i think that's kind of the result of not adding all that many people outside of bo horvat and which Honestly, I was I was expecting bigger things from this year because I figured if they had the entire year of Horvat, then that might have more of a how, positive how, impact. How do you and, think it feels to be Bo Horvat? You were like, man, it sucks being here in Vancouver. We're so bad. Trade me. Get me out of here. I want to go. I'm not, you know, you guys screwed up the cap space. I'm not taking a hometown deal. And then you look at Vancouver this year. 
<laughs> and you look at the Islanders situation right now. 11-3-1. Yeah, yeah. The Vancouver Canucks. A, a team that's and, finally and the played Islanders played. Oh, yeah, they play each other, right? Tonight. Oh, that's right. And it's a West. It's, it's out in Vancouver. That's right. He's back home. Yeah. I hope he doesn't get booed too much because he put up with some nonsense I, during his time. I, you know what? Pittsburgh. That's a great question. Does does he get booed tonight? I don't think he gets booed. I think he ends up getting cheered. I don't think he had a Messier-style exit. Um. <laughs> well, even, even if they did, I almost wish there was the pro wrestling aspect of it because the, because the big thing Vancouver fans were upset about last year was that post game on ice thing he did where uh, probably didn't know there was cameras running, catching it up and, Oh, Bo Horvat, what do you think of this Islanders crowd? Oh, wow. This is way better than anything I had in yeah. Vancouver. Ah, 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 you yeah. know how it is. Like, I wish I had that pro wrestling style thing to where like Boom. if you bumped into triple h like you'd be excited yeah. to see him you wouldn't be remembering the time that he said you know your insert town here was full of a bunch of hicks yeah he said yeah he it, went from heel back to good yeah, guy you, <laughs> yeah you, you no well i just mean you would understand it's yeah. a bit and that the you know on on microphone persona would be different from the oh, human yeah. being you know that that's what that's what we need in hockey it, it, we need bo horvat to come out tonight and, and go i woke up from my pre-game nap and couldn't stand the smell of anything <laughs> around me but that's just what happens in vancouver oh. Oh. that would be kind of funny uh <laughs> but yeah casey zizekas uh shut your mouth all right shut yeah. your mouth boy um uh you know someone that should have shut their mouth last week adam fantilli oh, what did fantilli do okay well, i so actually have a bit of an issue with fantilli we... uh i was texting you that night <laughs> you got an earful with that uh ranger uh, columbus game is the yeah. columbus boy <laughs> i was ready to kill okay. fantilli myself <laughs> And and someone else might may have tried to beat you to it because you remember last year, Kale McCarr had a penalty call or like there was a penalty called for someone for doing something to McCarr and oh, McCarr yeah. went up to the ref and said, hey, like that wasn't a thing. Don't yeah, worry yeah. about it sort of thing. And so uh, Fantilli is in a situation where a stick comes up by his face. He snaps his head back. Uh, and he even explained after the game, it's like, hey, I've been in the NCAA. I've been playing with a cage this whole time, like a stick coming close to my face. Like, it's just like a natural reaction. So a high sticking uh, call play gets called against the Dallas Stars. Uh, Fantilli goes to the ref and, and because he says it's important to him that he doesn't get a reputation for diving. Yeah, he doesn't want to be sitting or whatever. Yeah, so he says to him, hey, man, like, the stick didn't hit me. Like, it's okay. And they gave him an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Did they change the rules? I mean, I'm sure there's two sides to the story. But, yeah, he he said, uh, according to Fantilli, it went right past my face and I reacted quickly. The ref called it, and I tried to be honest. I didn't want to be the type of guy who looks like I was trying to sell calls or anything like that. The ref just hated it, I guess, and wanted to throw me in the box, so nothing you can do. 
So, and and from all accounts, like no one saw like on the video, it looked like he was like cursing at the ref or something yeah. like that. But a little bit of a power trip going on there. That Fantilli just trying to be a nice guy. Yeah, I'd expect nothing else of a young man that went to the University of Michigan. Uh, but no, you I know, can, I can think of some things. Guy trying to pick fights with people. Um, I didn't see that though. That's kind of ridiculous because there's no reason. There's no reason for that at all. Um. So, yeah. all right, well, shame on that official. Uh, somebody that did speak uh, up as well, Calgary Flames defenseman Nikita Zadorov, uh requested a trade out of Calgary. Uh, he's an unrestricted, a pending unrestricted free agent uh, and apparently would welcome a move to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, who wouldn't? He has a cap hit of $3.75 million. <laughs> He's in his third season with the Flames. Uh, yeah, so, uh, things not looking good. We were talking about Edmonton, things not looking good. Uh, Calgary, things are not good as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to pull up where I had Calgary here. I had the record. I'm curious if they're still, I think they're still four, seven and two. Five, eight, and two. Oh, they played. Uh, yeah, because they, they beat Montreal last night. That, that's what it was. Uh, but yeah, uh, talk about a team that's had a rough stretch here. Boy, the Flames have not been they good. Flamed this year. out. Uh, but yeah, uh, with everything we talked about with the Maple Leafs uh, adding, uh, you know, toughness and being difficult to play against with Domi and Reeves and all that sort of stuff, I would I would not be able to stop myself from laughing if they traded for Zadorov and just got big guy that hits people is like yeah that's that's what the team was lacking yeah Absolutely yeah right I mean, it's, uh, I mean they've talked about it how they have to be more physical in toronto yeah yeah that apparently on on a game uh someone on the ice for the leafs told zadorov you're exactly what we need on this team. <laughs> uh so so at least he has that kind of feedback for him yeah at least he's got that going for him you know that's something um yeah, we'll see what happens with that, but uh, I expect, uh, you know, I know for a hot minute it seemed like the Flames there for a while, things were looking good, people wanted to stay, but then now everybody who's a restricted or unrestricted free agent kind of feels like they're going to become fair game, so uh, it's going to become a watch along yeah, out there it, in Calgary. Honestly. Honestly, blowing this team it's up the best move. probably the move. It really is the best move. It Like, we talked about it last year and a little bit, I want to say a little bit during, like, when we kind of did the offseason stuff every once in a while. Like, it's it's the move. If you're Calgary, man, like, this team is not – when you look at everybody else that you got to go up against, it's time to make the move. And it's the perfect time, too, because you're at that point where some of these guys are at that age where if you lock in with them, that's your core. And this core has not really yeah. shown you that they can make that run, but you can start breaking up some parts of it. You, you could get a good return on Elias Hin- God, Lindholm, yeah. on Andrew Mangiapane, although Andrew Mangiapane has another year Still, left. Still, those guys uh, with that. No way. But, but guys with at least two or about to be free agents, I feel, are the ones yeah. that move the most. Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, Tanev like all these guys, one, move yeah. them, bottom out, then you can be really high up mm-hmm. in the draft and throw them in with Huberto yeah. and Kadri. It's it's it's... 
there's a way to build right now. And even if you don't want to give up on like Windholm and that, and like that's the guy you want to resign and make the key piece of the the next part of the core, like it's kind of like Kreider with the Rangers. You know, the Rangers hit that crossroad. And, I mean, Calgary is not not where the Rangers were at that point, but the Rangers decided Kreider was the guy to keep. Windholm could be the guy to keep at Calgary. Everybody else, you move out and you kind yeah. of build around that. And then when that next phase comes in, He's the guy, he's your veteran presence there. He's the guy that's the leader of your locker room. All right, so that'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, I guess, where can people follow you, John? Uh, I am on X, formerly known as Twitter, as always, at JT Evans, the number zero. And I am there as well, X, formerly known as Twitter, wonderful underscore radio. Uh, thank you, everybody. And uh, make sure you also subscribe and like to Throw Me Podcast Network. And you will uh, be updated on the Bye, everybody. Bye. May from me home I started left the girls the tomb was nearly broken hundreds saluted father dear and kissed me darling mother drink a pint of beer and tears of grief to smother enough to reap the corn leave where I was born cup to stop the thorn of banished ghosts and goblins brand new pair of brogues rattling all the bugs frightening all the dogs on the rocky road to Dublin one two three four five pop the hair a turn or down the rocky road all the way to Dublin whack for all the dogs